Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the bigger picture. U.S. President Joe Biden aims to sign an executive order in the coming weeks that will limit investment in key parts of the Chinese economy by American businesses, including chips, quantum computing, and AI. And the U.S. hopes for the G7 nations' endorsement at the group's mid-May summit. And just this week, the European Union agreed to a landmark plan to boost its chip industry. It's dubbed the European Chips Act and seeks to help the bloc compete with the US and Asia on technology and secure control over critical parts of the technology space. So help us, helping us unpack that is Eddie Lowe, Chief Investment Officer for Maybank Singapore's Group Wealth Management Division. Good morning, Eddie. How are you doing today? Good morning, Ryan. Hey, happy Very Friday. Good. Happy Friday. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of stuff still happening on Friday and among them, some potential drama in geopolitics. And of course, right at the top of this is what's happening with the US versus China. You've got the US saying it's going to impose curbs on national security grounds. And US Treasury mm-hmm. Secretary Janet Yellen says the US is ready to accept the economic costs of these efforts mm-hmm. to protect national security. So walk us through what might be the potential implications. Is this going to worsen the recession because inflationary pressures are just going to mean you know, things of doing business is going to be higher? Right. I think if you just look at the latest uh, news about Biden's looking to, to unveil some China investment curbs, I think this is a reflection of the long-standing strategic competition uh, that's going on between the two superpowers. And perhaps there are also some domestic political considerations uh, with Biden considering his re-election down the road, right? So the implications, I think, for China, there could be some negative impact on FDI's inflows into China as well as the progress of technology development. But if you look at how the Chinese government has been responding, not just today, but actually, uh, I think their strategic intent is really to boost domestic consumption and also at the same time developing its own chip technology Mm. just to ensure self-reliance. So this could actually also translate to some investment opportunities in our view. Yeah, I guess it's glass half full, half empty. I think in the news, there was also Huawei come out with its own ERP software because Oracle has been banned from supplying many of its um, technologies to Chinese companies. So it's been, in your what you mentioned, trying to ramp up its own technology as well. And we have yeah, the European exactly. side as well, trying to subsidize yeah. its chip space, the chip industry, and this could mean chip wars. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. possibly going to mean you know, stuff that we are used to when it comes to the prices in the device space could go up. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, you, know, you know, US has their Chips Act, China is developing their own technology, and then now the latest US, European Chips Act. I thought they would have come up with a slightly different name. But <laughs> yeah, they went ahead with Chips Act. But I, I think, you, you know, all these what we call reshoring and onshoring efforts, I think is really, as you mentioned earlier, to ensure uh, technology independence, supply chain independence, as, as well as security, reducing reliance, over-reliance on others, right? Uh, but it's going to be a long-drawn process. It's not going to happen overnight and as you pointed out uh, or alluded to I think this is likely going to come with a cost because we will see duplication of capacities and perhaps also reduced benefits 
of offshoring to cheaper locations, which we have witnessed in the past. So I think, um, yes, I think this, it could be inflationary. So we do have to uh, be prepared to live with higher inflation and consequently interest rates as well. And that would have implications on portfolio positioning. Yeah, and we, if we take a look at what's happening in China these days, it's trying to recover from a slump in the past years. And mm-hmm. the, the data this week has been quite mixed. The Consumer mm-hmm. Price Index hit an 18-month low in March, mm-hmm. rising 0.7% year-on-year. And then you have retail sales growing more yeah. than expected, 10.6%. And then, of course, the first quarter GDP data was higher than expected at 4.5%. What do you make of the data? Where is it going from here? Well, I think uh, if you look at China, we think that uh, we are seeing a nice gradual recovery, right? 4.5% is slightly higher than what we were expecting or consensus is expecting. But we actually are expecting that that recovery pace to pick up in second quarter and third quarter. So China, I think it's well... Uh, on its path to hit that 5% uh, growth target uh, and could very well exceed it. And I think that one of the key reasons is really about services. Because of the reopening, we are actually seeing services, domestic consumption picking up uh, quite a fair bit. Uh, if you look at the latest services, PMI is actually well above expectation and above the 50 expansion threshold. Mm. Uh, consumer price index, I think there are actually some price, uh, I want to say, control uh, within China. So that actually helped to temper the price increase a little bit. And if you look at PBOC, uh, they just said that, you know, they are not expecting, con- they are expecting consumer prices to pick up this year, but really not expecting it to become a significant problem uh, like what we are experiencing or what we have witnessed in other countries like in US and Europe for now. Yeah, and you talk about the US, we've got earnings underway and so mm-hmm. far it's been a rather mixed bag of data. And what stands out for me is that you've got banks and the latest is Amex just bracing itself for people to not be able to pay back some of their loans or credit card debts. Right. What is your takeaway from the earnings season so far? Right. Like if you look at the earnings, mean, we're still at the early uh, start, the early part of the earnings season. The US large banks uh, have delivered some positive surprise, but we have actually witnessed some bit, uh, softness in other sectors, including industrials and auto sectors. But by and large, we are not expecting a spectacular earnings season. Uh, you look at consensus estimates. First queue, they are projecting earnings to decline, actually, by negative. 7% mm. year on year. And this is actually a reflection of the deteriorating growth outlook uh, that we are expecting because of the tightening financial conditions. So you mentioned about, you know, consumer loans defaults increasing. I think that is also another sign. So we do expect the tightening financial conditions to weigh on growth and that could be actually further downside to corporate earnings in the subsequent quarters. Yeah, something else that's also getting people a bit jittery these days is the... U.S. debt ceiling. So that's back again. Mm-hmm. How worried should investors be around this potential scenario? Right. The, I think for the U.S. debt ceiling, they, the U.S. strategy has managed to sort of like extend it by using some extraordinary measures. <laughs> uh, but recently, we have actually uh, read reports to say that, hey, that uh, deadline could come in earlier than expected, maybe perhaps even in June due to lower than expected uh, tax receipts. Uh, so we, we could actually see more drama ahead between both the Republicans and Democrats, uh, although our expectations, like what we've witnessed uh, in past episodes, I think both parties are likely to come into a last-minute agreement. But, you know, during the process, the negotiation process, we could expect market volatility to rise. Already, we are seeing a spike in the U.S. Treasury CES, our credit default spreads 
and uh, that could actually translate into equity market volatility in the subsequent weeks as well. All right, Eddie, and just to wrap things up as we head towards Earth Day mm-hmm. tomorrow, what's your take on investing in sustainability? What are some of the lessons you think investors can take away from your experience so far? Right, I think uh, sustainable investing, I think that is actually a very important long-term uh, uh, topic or area of focus for investors and including us as well. And one of the areas that uh, we are actually uh, really uh, zooming in is energy transition, which includes renewables, infrastructures, as well as energy technology and materials. But when investing in this area, I think due diligence matters. Uh, you do need to avoid greenwashing. You know, some companies claim that they are actually into sustainable investing, but they are not. Mm. So you do need to measure the tangible outcomes. Uh, and also, it's not just about focusing on, you know, protecting the environment. At the end of the day, investors are looking for returns. So I think that still matters as well. All right. So due diligence and look out for greenwashing as we head into Earth Day. We mentioned Eddie Lowe. He is the CIO for Maybank Singapore's Group Wealth Management. Thank you so much for your time, Eddie. Right, thanks for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.